G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Gavin, great to catch up again. Yeah, great to be with you, Matt. Well, Gavin, in the news today, we're starting to hear more and more as the budget gets closer as to ways that we as everyday consumers can possibly save some more money when it comes to our budgeting in our family households. One of the things that the Reserve Bank has talked about today is looking at capping fees that banks charge when it comes to handling credit and debit card transactions. Now, I've got to admit, This is a little bit over my head, which is why I'm talking to you, Gavin. Can you help us understand what this issue is all about and why the Reserve Bank of Australia is weighing in? So the issue that is being discussed at the moment or being reviewed by the RBA is uh, what we call interchange fees. And these are the fees that banking institutions charge each other. And uh, I think they have the... um, the maximum rate that they could be cha- that could be charged a number of years ago, they're thinking of reducing that again from 0.5 of a percent to 0.3 of a percent. Now, the fee that we're talking about, this interchange fee, is the fee that's charged. For example, if you go to a, a store and use your credit card to buy something, your bank w- will potentially pay a fee to the business that you're buying the goods from. And so there's a fee that goes between the two banking institutions and that fee is called an inter- interchange fee. And it's to, to cover the cost of providing the, um, you know, the, the service of being able to use that card, so the security guarantee and the actual facility to pay that card. It's a fee that's charged between those two banking institutions. And so they're looking at reviewing that with the idea that um, it then might save, say, $500 million a year um, and... The idea is that lower-income Australians will be able to benefit from that. But that's that's the big question mark. Will they actually benefit from it? Yeah, I think that's the thing that got my attention is I read through this story and think, oh, that's interesting. We're going to reduce fees and that's going to raise income levels. Okay, that part makes sense. But then they start talking about the fact that, well, it's at this point, it's going to be reduced to this percentage and uh, the payoff is potentially 10 million standard card users who now pay, say, $50 each to support 5 million premium and platinum cards. They're going to potentially get you know, $500 million back per year. And those sort of figures just make my eyes open wide and think, oh, wow. But that's, I guess, the big issue is, is it really going to be effective to me personally and my family income? Yeah, and and that's where it gets down to your individual provider. So if you're using a debit card or a credit card um, and the RBA reduces the fees that your banks are able to charge each other, um, they sometimes need to get that uh, that reduced fee uh, from somewhere else. Um, and so that might be through charging you um, additional annual credit card fees, for example. So it really gets down to how the individual institutions structure their, their business model, which then filters down to what they ultimately charge you. And there is a little bit of conjecture between, I guess, what's being promoted in this, um, I guess, by the RBA in the, the, the reasoning 
for reducing the interchange rates and what the actual um, participants in the market, including credit card providers, um, uh, what, what their view is on the outcome. And some of the credit card providers are saying, look, there's no evidence to suggest that, that uh, regulating this rate and regulating a reduced rate is actually going to be beneficial for um, the end user. So really that gets down to us as individuals making sure that we're getting the best possible deal um, from our um, credit debit card providers. Now, how do we go about that, though, Gavin? I mean, like, it's really hard shopping around. I mean, you can be constantly bombarded with uh, ads for credit cards or ads for banks saying, choose me, choose me, I'm the best deal you're ever going to get. How do you really know? Yeah, it's it's like trying to um, find the best phone contract, really, isn't it? You feel like you're comparing apples and oranges and pears all in the, you know, mismatch together. Uh, it's very much similar with credit cards and debit cards. Uh, I, I really love the concept of debit cards because you're only spending your own money. Um, so just by choosing a debit card, you can narrow the market down significantly. Uh, but recently, um, uh, an, an, another type of provider has come into the market where rather than you paying a, a percentage when you use your um, debit card in some instances, like some, if, if you go to some uh, businesses, they'll say, oh, there's a surcharge of 1% or 1.5% on this purchase. So you'll pay that extra percentage amount yeah. on on the purchase. There's a uh, at least one provider I know out there of a debit card that will actually, for purchases under $100, they'll give you back 2% of the price. So if you spent $99.99, uh, they would give you back uh, $2 on top of that. So that's, uh, I guess, saving you $2 in the transaction. Now, it may be a marketing ploy just to get new members onto that card, um, but they're suggesting that they're wanting to maintain that over the longer term. So shop around, see how um, you can structure your um, credit and debit card facilities uh, to get the best outcome that you need. Now, I'm not the most... Um gifted when it comes to family finances. My wife's much better at that than I am. So for those people who are like me, Gavin, um, is that an opportunity for us to seek out the advice of a, a financial planner who may be able to assist us in actually understanding all the, the bombardment that comes from the marketplace? Yeah, definitely it is. Um, one of the challenges, though, is so many of us uh, are locked into our mortgage providers. Um, so there can be a challenge to add another provider in there if, the, if your mortgage provider isn't um, um, enabling you to access those sort of 2% rebates on, on less than $100 purchases. Sometimes it is a little bit trickier to then add another institution into your, you know, your banking system, your personal banking system. So um, sometimes we are locked in when we've got a mortgage to, to pay into that particular, um, uh, you know, maintain all our banking with that particular institution. But if you've either got the flexibility to use other providers or don't have a mortgage, then it's really well worthwhile um, considering all the alternatives. And of course, as we always say with this sort of issue, this is just a small drop in the bucket compared to what the uh, finances are. So please, if you're unsure of something, don't just take our word for it. Investigate it yourself and talk to your financial advisor who can help you understand it better. Gavin, always great to catch up and really appreciate your expert advice. My pleasure, Mac. Great to be with you. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.